I read a story this week and um, wanted to share it with you. And uh, I'm not going to do the story justice, but the way God was speaking to me was crazy through this story. It was about a story about a little girl who was, went through foster care. And uh, at this point, she was like 11. But um, in going through foster care, there had been two separate families that she was staying with them. And uh, for whatever reason or not, um, the family decided to take a trip to go to Disney, and they weren't sure about her status with them at that time. And so the family went, and they found a sitter for her, and it, it just it crushed her. Um, and years later, she was adopted by uh, a pastor, and the pastor um, had heard of her desire to go to Disney, and he booked a trip for her. And uh, whatever happened in, in her life, she was uh, really, she was very well behaved living at the house and things were good. But when she heard about this trip that was coming up and that th she actually got invited, there was a lot of disbelief that happened inside of her. And so she started kind of becoming bad in school, getting in trouble and, and stuff at school, knowing that this trip was coming up. It was almost like she was trying to uh, hijack the trip to, um, she just couldn't believe that she was being invited to go. And uh, the, the pastor said that they, they, they were on the plane uh, on the way to Orlando to come and, and take the family trip. And she was, she was there with them. And she actually stole something at the airport. And they couldn't believe, why would you steal something? We'd, I would have given it to you for free. And, uh, and she was trying to get them mad at her. For whatever reason, she, there was, she was trying to come up with an excuse because she believed that there was going to be disappointment coming up. And she was trying to give dad a reason to say, okay, you're going to stay at the hotel. And, and when they finally had their conversation and she said, well, I just know that I'm not going to go with you. So I'm trying to give you an opportunity. It completely broke him. And he realized of all, all the heartache and shame that this poor girl had been through. And he said, you don't understand. You're, you're my daughter now. And you're always going to be my daughter. There's nothing you're going to do that's going to change that. This trip is for you. And you're coming with us. And I just begin to cry going through this. And maybe it's because I'm finding her characteristic in myself in this series. Uh, and it's what I mean by that is grace is a difficult concept for me because I feel like I, I, want, I want to barter with God my salvation. Like, all right, God, thank you so much that you love me. And now let me make it up to you. And he's like, that's not how love works. And so it's hard because life has taught me a method of love that is something that I earn or it only exists when I'm doing so well in my life. But work is not a career. Like a relationship with Jesus is not a career where you get paid because you do the task. And maybe culturally has taught me that I have to earn this salvation or become good enough to, to become it. But I want you to remember that God loved you before you became righteous. So you're not righteous because you don't go out on, on the weekends and go drinking. You're not righteous because you, uh, you give at church. You're not righteous because you attend here or somewhere else. You, you're righteous because Jesus loved you enough to die for you. And he gave his righteousness to you as a free gift because he loved you. And all you do is believe that he is your Lord and you follow him. And it's... It's too good. C.S. Lewis had this crazy quote that said that of all the religions, Christianity is the only one where God, um, that the divine deity of God 
would die in man's place and ask nothing in return. And it's like this deal is like, it don't make sense. And it's because I need you to know there's nothing you can do that can earn God's love. There's nothing you can ever do to forfeit God's love. He is always going to pursue you. That's just who he is. And it's too much for me sometimes, but it's been very healing to me, even in the midst of, of, of church culture. I mean, there's time there are people here that I feel like if I don't entertain you enough, you'll leave. And it hurts me sometimes when people that I love and I felt like I had a good relationship with, they leave. It's like, oh, well, maybe that's not God. And it's okay. People are going to come and go. Yes. Yes. But God never fails. Amen. And I just want you to know that, that the love of God Amen. will never leave you. He is always going to pursue you. It doesn't mean that people are faithful. Get your eyes off people. Get your eyes off me. Right. Let me make sure I say that. Maybe that's prophetic for someone. I am not Jesus. Okay? Yeah. Oh, I don't want to wear that. Put that on Billy Graham or someone else that's awesomer than me. But I, Jesus is the only one that can give his life for us and that, that can love us. And be, okay, I need to go on with the sermon. So, here, so th- this whole series came out of this uh, scripture here, uh, Ephesians chapter 2, uh, verse 8 and 9. And it says this, For God saved you by his grace when you believed. You can't take credit for this gift. I love that. Uh, it is a gift from God. He said, salvation is not a reward for the good things that we've done, so none of us can boast about it. And I, and I, I do see that often. I do see that a lot of us look down on other people that are not as righteous as us, uh, and they look at, down at people that have not become Christian yet, and they, man, we throw stones at people who live a different lifestyle or different believe in us, and it's, it's, it's awful, man. Salvation is not, Amer- we, we did not earn this thing. In fact, we did everything to disqualify from it, and that's what makes it so confusing and so not fair that, that God is for us and not against us. Does that make sense? With that being said today, uh, we have a whole uh, service today. I asked you guys, uh, you know, it'd be fun, the week of Thanksgiving, greatest week under heaven, amen, Uh, to to get some stories. (laughs) Starting the message today, the love of God, the grace of God, God is for us, not against us, and there's nothing we can do to earn it. He's always going to like you. You can't can't sabotage it. He's just going to pursue you and keep pursuing you and keep pursuing you. With that being said, Ashley Pyle, would you come? I'm pretty excited. I asked all of you guys to send me some testimonies. I got uh, 10 or 15 cool stories that came in, and I decided I was going to go with a few of them. And Ashley is one of our cool stories here in the church, and uh, what I mean by that is she's someone that really instantly, quickly went all in in our church. And our church has made a big difference in Ashley's life, and uh, I wanted her to give you the opportunity to tell you about it. And so, uh, anyways... With that being said, Ashley Pyle. All right. God's love and protection over my life has been mind-blowing. We all have a story to tell. My life has been very traumatic, to say the least. It has been surrounded by pain, hurt, abandonment, disappointment, lies, drugs, alcohol, and lots of negativity. But in 2008, I found Jesus, and I attended the Lakeland Revival at the Civic Center with friends and family. The Holy Spirit took me to my knees. I cried out loud to him for a good 30 minutes, asking him to fill my heart with his love. I attended church with friends for a while, but it was not home. I then started attending another church that became my home for a while. I became involved with the youth, helping coach basketball and volunteering at VBS. But then life started getting in the way. I drifted away again. It was like I was living a double life, acting one way in front of 
church friends in another way in front of others. I would drink and smoke cigarettes with one group. I hung out with another crowd, but God was always right there in my ear. He was giving me signs by words and numbers to look up different verses. One night I was with the wrong crowd just before some of them got arrested for two completely different situations. We had all been drinking and they were all passing around things to get high. I felt God tell me to leave. The next morning, I found out one was arrested for accessory to murder, and the others were arrested for armed robbery. Despite all the wrong choices I have made, God never left me, he'll never leave me, and he will never leave you either. His grace is enough. You can never do anything to make God stop loving you. You can't hide from God. You'll always run into him some way. John 8, 12 says, Jesus spoke to the people once more and said, I am the light of the world. If you follow me, you won't have to walk in darkness because you will have the light that leads to life. In, to in 2016, I started playing in a church league softball. I was invited many a times to come to different churches, but I never came because I had lame excuses. July 1st, 2018, I stepped my foot back in the most loving and welcoming atmosphere here at The Way. That got my heart focused back on God. I have grown so much in the time here with you all and even attending my first missions trip, something I have wanted to do forever. God knew I needed more positive people in my life and placed me right here where I belong. Proverbs 3, 5 through 6 says, Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Do not depend on your own understanding. Seek his will in all that you do and he will show which path to take. Love you, Ash. Ashley got water baptized last Sunday in the freezing cold, and it was pretty awesome. And so, um, anyways, uh, I'm pretty excited about what God's done in Ashley's life, and she's super involved in our church, and we just couldn't be more thankful for her. Dana, would you come? Dana's uh, growth has really baffled me. In fact, I didn't know that uh, we were a big part of uh, her salvation. And um, I'm mind blown by your story. In 2009, I lost my dad. Um, my dad was my everything. Um, he was my mother and my father because my mom left when I was five. And my dad raised me. Um, and so uh, he was he was my he was my rock he was he was my everything and when I lost him I I just felt like I lost my anchor I lost I lost everything um, and I was really angry at God um, I was not a Christian at this point and I was very angry um, and I had gone through my life since then and was uh, um, not making the right choices, um, was in a uh, relationship. Um, after, after that, um, actually after that, I got a divorce um, and I was in a bad relationship after that that was mentally and emotionally abusive um, and I had depression and I was not in a good place. Um, and uh, I uh, eventually met the man that is now my husband. And um, about, and that was in March of 2015. In April of 2015, he um, got really sick and got really sick to the point of almost dying. 
And matter of fact, I got a phone call from his mom or his sister, one of the two, I can't remember. And they said, you need to come because he's gone code blue or code red, whichever it is, and um, you need to come. And the doctors and the nurses were rushing into his room and trying to save his life. And um, I just got up from work and I left. I didn't tell anybody I left. I just got up and I left and I walked out and I started driving from Orlando to Tampa because that's where he was. And in that drive, in that one hour drive, I yelled at God. I was so mad and I was so angry at God and I was angry at God because he took the man, my, my father, that meant so much to me and he was my everything and he was, he was the one who, he was my mom and my dad and he, he took him from me and now I thought he was going to take my husband um, or my boyfriend at the time. And I was so angry and I just yelled at God and I just told him that I didn't want anything to do with him and that I was so angry. And the thing about that is, is that all you have to do is reach out. It doesn't matter how you reach out. You just have to reach out. The fact that I yelled at God, that didn't surprise him. He wasn't surprised by that. He wasn't angry by that. He wasn't uncomfortable by that. There was nothing about that, nothing about that that was bad. It was just that I opened the door. And I just, it, it was, he, start, he used my anger. And that's when Jesus started chasing me. Amen. And... Um, and from that point on, I, um, I knew that Jesus was chasing me, and um, I had not found a church. And um, when I, um, I uh, had ch would been chatting with my brother, uh, some of you have met him, because um, he's been here to the way a couple of times, and um, he kept telling me, you need to find a church, you need to find a church. I'm like, I know, I keep Googling, I can't find one. Um, and so anyway, so he was like, okay, we're going to take care of this. So he lives in Dallas, and... Um, he said, well, the first one that came up is The Way. Have you, have you checked that one out? And I'm like, no, that's not coming up when I, when I search. He was like, oh, go to that one. That one looks great. So I, went to, I came to The Way, and I haven't looked back. I haven't left. Um, it's, you know, it, I knew as soon as I walked in that I, I felt the love of Jesus. I, um, I, I just knew it was home. Um, but the important thing is, the moral of the story is, is that you just have to reach out. And it doesn't matter how angry you are. He's not mad by that. He's not uncomfortable that, by that. He's not surprised by that. And he, because he knows where your heart is. And that's, that's all that matters. And one other thing that I didn't mention last time that I'll say now is that, um, is that when, my, when I said my mom left when I was five, I spent a lot of time being angry at my mom, about 45 years actually. And God healed that relationship. And he, I, you don't spend 45 years of your life being, being mad at somebody and wake up the next morning and feel love in your heart for them. And I, now I have a relationship with my mom that I've never had before. So anyway. Dina's a, a powerhouse. She is on fire for God and reading her word and loving Jesus and telling everyone about him. And I, I'm so proud of the life. that We are all proud of you and inspired by your yes, love for Jesus. Yes. It's so beautiful. Channing, would you come? This is my friend Channing. You know what's funny is Channing emailed me thinking that it would just be good to encourage me by the series. He was like, hey, man, this series is touching my life. 
oftentimes people think that I'm weird and I'm, I'm awkward and, and I'm realizing the love of God, man, is so powerful. And I'm like, yeah, hey, about that, you need to tell your story. And so, uh, so Channing's got a real powerful testimony that is it's different. And he was raised in the church um, and uh, was here every week struggling right underneath our nose. Yeah, I told Tim, um, I've talked about this like on 30 podcasts this year, and uh, the last one went like two and a half hours, and he's like, you got five minutes. <laughs> so, and I was very emotional first service, so I have no idea what will happen this time. Hopefully not as bad. Um, so my upbringing, um, pretty crazy family, uh, prescription drugs, emotional, mental abuse, Alcoholics, uh, manipulation as a child, narcissism. Um, my mother reminds me of that movie, uh, Mommy Dearest, or the, uh, the villain lady in Tangled. Um, gives you an idea. Affairs, divorce, um, very, um, love was very conditional. And um, yeah, church was very much about appearances. And um, Mainly due to all this, I turned to porn at age 12. And um, so, yeah, I was a porn addict for 18 years. Um, for me, it was really me looking for love, which most people don't understand. But uh, like, it's kind of like how you're online and like you like the likes and the comments. It, it gives you a boost. And it just happened. I went there looking for what I wanted. And I brought this into my marriage. Um, the first five years of my marriage um, pretty much destroyed it. Here comes the emotion, <laughs> I think. Um, and I've been through all the cycles, the shame, the guilt, um, over and over. And the problem is no one talks about it, um, especially in the church, I feel. And is it, outside of men, it's just as bad for women, too. And you really won't even hear that anywhere. Um, now, my story is a little different because all the traditional methods didn't work for me. I was in so many groups, uh, recovery groups, counseling, accountability partners, uh, you know, read the books, the videos. After like six years of this, uh, they never did the trick all the way. Um, so you think, oh, something's wrong with me, or maybe I'm a terrible Christian or something. So I, I like to say uh, many years ago, it was like October 17th, I, uh, I bumped into God at a, <laughs> a event I was at, and um, I was doing better, but the cycles were still there. And basically, he said, Are you, will you um, fight for me, like on this? And I, um, I said, yes, because with this specifically, so many people are broken. And, um, you know, just living years and years in brokenness. And it's like the, uh, one of the bands I wear. It says, you're more than the flesh. Because after really digging into the word, I found these verses out there around a bunch. I'll read them real fast. Um, Romans 6, 1, 2. Well, then, should we keep on sinning so that God can show us more and more of his wonderful grace? Of course not. Since we have died to sin, how can we continue to live in it? Uh, Galatians 5.1, so Christ has truly set us free. Now make sure that you stay free and don't get tied up again in slavery to the law. Luke 10.19, look, I've given you authority over all the power of the enemy, and you can walk among snakes, scorpions, and crush them. Nothing will injure you. 
Uh, 1 Corinthians 10, 13, no temptation has overtaken you except such as is common to man. But God is faithful, who will not allow you to be tempted beyond what you are able. But with the temptation will also make the way of escape, that you may be able to bear it. And two of my favorite is uh, Romans 8, 12. Therefore, dear brothers and sisters, you have no obligation to do what your sinful nature urges you to do. And 2 Corinthians 5, 17. Therefore, if any man be in Christ, let him be a new creature. Old things are passed away. Behold, all, all things are new. And, and this ain't a story about how I came to know Christ. This was way later. And it, it wasn't... Um, this big, like, transformational makeover moment. It wasn't like I was blind and I could see nothing crazy. But looking back, it was a very, very pivotal point in my life. And since then, why I, I didn't really know what I was doing going forward. He showed me ways to overcome the addiction. And I, I, I spent a year thinking, this can't be real. This can't be real. I, there's been the times like, oh, I've done good. It's over, but it wasn't. So I spent a year debating this, and uh, now it's been four years. Um, so whether it's, I, I do addiction work, so whether it's drugs, um, alcohol, worry, stress, depression, whatever, um, you know, that's all from the enemy. So my verse for the past four years have been Nehemiah 4.14, don't be afraid of the enemy. Remember the Lord who is great and glorious and fight for your brothers, your sons, your daughters, your wives, and your homes. Yeah. What you don't know is, um, so this addiction that he had is now uh, how he's making a living. He's, he's counseling people. Uh, what the enemy lied to him day after day after day after day, keeping him broken, he's now using as a testimony to reach other people that are currently bound. And uh, I, I mean, God wants you to overcome, and, and uh, you're doing just that, brother. I'm proud of you. Love you, man. It's important for you to understand that that, that shame is happening right here under our nose. And, and some people feel like they can't tell someone, like there would be so much judgment. I, I pray that you don't feel that, that you feel that this is a place where you can be you you're welcome. Like, we're all struggling with something. And whatever it is you're going through, we're better together. Like, but don't hide what you're going through because you're never going to overcome it. You don't overcome alone. Anyways, uh, Shannon, I'm, I'm, I love you. Paul, uh, I'm going to ask you to come uh, quickly. We're going to go over a little bit on time today, and um, it'll be good. But anyways, uh, Paul doesn't necessarily know what I'm asking you to do. But Paul, would you, you. Would you uh, take just a few minutes and uh, tell us a story about healing? Uh, where oh, God right. used you. Paul's a missionary. He's one of the missionaries of our house, and God's used him in some mighty ways. And I feel like there's different levels of testimonies, and uh, so you need to hear that some of them come through you. And uh, tell Thank us about you obeying too. God and him doing something well, to you. Well, we've been missionaries. We've a blessed privilege to be a missionary for 37 years in three different countries. And then all of a sudden, at our a conference in January 2017, the vice president of our mission comes from England, says, I've got a prophecy for you. God's been speaking to me about you and Cheryl for the last two months. What is it? And we were kind of like, what's going on? He said, God is calling you into a new era, a new place, like he called Moses into a new era. He says, God is calling you into a world evangelism, 
and to healing, you're going to see signs and wonders. And both of our jaws dropped. What? I mean, we've prayed for people, but we've never really seen anybody healed us. What are you talking about? So we went away and prayed. We fasted and prayed during two months. And God just confirmed it and confirmed it and confirmed it. We read book after book after book. And the biggest thing God told, showed me, what changed my life, you know, Jesus said, go and you do it, right? Yeah. Well, I always prayed, oh, God, please heal Tim. Yeah. I went that way. Boom. Doom. That's totally wrong. Don't ever do it again. Anybody here, don't ever pray for God to heal someone again. It's not right. God said, you go. You heal the sick. You raise the dead. You cast out demons. It's from God to you to them. I command you in Jesus' name, be healed. That's how you pray. We're nothing special. But so we, so we got into it. And we, asked, we were asked to go to Guatemala where we're going. We're at, we've just been asked to go back to the very same church that I'm going to tell you about in January. So we'll be back a week from Africa and we're going to leave a week later. Anyway, so we're going back to Guatemala. So we go to Guatemala for the first time. We go to this little church called Tucur- in Tucuru. We're in the church and Cheryl and I are praying for the sick. And this little boy comes up, and his shoulder blades, I kid you not, his shoulder blades are sticking straight out, the, straight out the back of his back. Never seen anything like it, like scoliosis or something. We prayed. We commanded him to be healed, and all of a sudden, those shoulder blades. We watched it. Everybody in the church screamed. It was just like, oh. And then there was this old lady. She, her arm had been broken, and she, she came forward for prayer. Cheryl laid her hands on her arm, and all of a sudden, snap, snap, snap. It was totally healed. And then, one more thing. This is the same service. In the back of the church, a lady was sitting on the pila. A pila in Guatemala, it's a place where you wash all the clothes and stuff. She was sitting on the pila, and she just was kind of afraid to come forward. And so Cheryl said, Cheryl, the lady said, when Cheryl raised her hand and said, in the name of Jesus, she said, something shot out. And hit her. Oh, by the way, her problem was dentist. She was, her mouth was totally full of pain. She was sick, just so much from pain. The Lord went right into her mouth, and all of her mouth was healed. And she ran forward and told everybody, yeah. look at we're nothing. God wants every single one of us to be healing, to be raising the dead. Oh, we know we're going to see somebody raised from the dead in Africa this year. Cheryl Shaw. <laughs> anyway, oh, Father, we just praise you. Amen. <laughs> Love you, God. Here's, here's what I love is that um, so they, they pray for the sick all the time. That's, that's their ministry. It's our ministry. Uh, it's all of our ministry, like to go and share the love of God. And healing comes in different forms. It comes emotional. It comes physical. Uh, and it, it comes mental. And, and I'll tell you right now, like your job is to be a carrier of healing, of love, of hope. Because many people feel stuck. If the doctor can't fix it, who can? That's what Jesus does, is he sets us free through and through and through and through and through. A lot of people feel stuck. It's important for you to know you're a carrier of life and healing. And they, this is what they do everywhere they go. It's beautiful. They just believe. And uh, I want to remind you that you have a story. You, you have a message. You have a story. You have a message. You have a story. You have a message of hope and healing. And uh, you got to let it go. One last story. Uh, Amanda, would you come? Uh, Amanda's been a friend of mine for 14, 15 years. I've seen God do some great things in this young lady's life. And uh, her story means a great deal to me. 
because of how uh, much we prayed for you. And uh, still, still praying for you. Uh, God, Jesus. <laughs> Anyways, I don't know how I'm supposed to follow up Paul, but. Yeah, yeah. It's different. It's different. Um, this is Pogo. So Tim asked that we hit five points. So I'm going to try and get them in. Um, my background, I've been raised in the church, went to a Christian school growing up my whole life, Christian family, was just surrounded by love and support and all the goodness. I came and went to Southeastern. So my whole life was like progressing in the right direction. I got married to a godly man. Things were looking the way they should. Um, and I'm going to do like I did in the first service and kind of pause there. Um, that for quite a while was my testimony. And I would come to these services and be like, you know, I haven't been prodigal. I've been, you know, raised in the church, doing good things. Things are going well. And that, if that's you, if that's your life, um, that is huge testimony um, by itself. You know, you don't have to be wayward and come home to have a great testimony. Like, I am thankful for the women and men in my life who have been faithful and have that as their testimony. So thank you, and we need y'all. So thank you for that. But um, after that, um, years ago, a few years ago, um, I turned from that and decided I wanted to kind of go on my own way. So I grew up in church. This was my church home at the time. Um, I was working a job in a different city, and so I started hanging out with people in that city who were not Christian, who were not believers, and I'm like, that's okay, I'm good. Like, I know Jesus. I'm, I'm set here. I can hang out with these people. So I started to. I started to hang out with a crowd that we know are probably not people that I should hang out with. So I started getting into alcohol, going to clubs, going to parties. Um, as a married woman doing these things without my husband. Um, and, you know, I just wanted to live my life. I wanted to do me. You don't tell me. I'm good. I don't need you. Um, and people in my life saw that. Like, believers, my family, see the difference. And they're like, oh, something's wrong. What's different about you? And I'm like, no, nah, man. I'm like, I'm good. I'm, I'm okay. I'm good. I know Jesus is real. And yes, I did know that. I've known that my whole life, but I was not not living right. And, you know, I knew it, but I didn't want to address it. I would just tell people, no, no, I'm good. I'm good. Thank you. Thank you. I'm all right. Um, so I was still coming to church, still coming here regularly, um, but very numb. I'd come glazed over, just come and check off the box. I went to church this week. I'm good. Um, this is what you do. And slowly that kind of stopped. I'm like, oh, this isn't where I want to be. I don't want to be in church anymore. I don't need to be here. My heart was being pulled into darkness, and I wanted to be around the people I wanted to be around. I wanted to do the things I wanted to do, and I put my Christianity, my relationships, my godly relationships, my marriage all on the back burner, if on any burner at all, um, and so I decided at one point, the darkest point, I'm going to really do me I'm going to leave Lakeland, go live in this city. I'm going. So I go, and I'm looking at apartments. I'm like, I'm leaving my husband. I'm leaving my friends behind. I'm going to go do what I want to do. So I, I was. That was my plan. I'm going. I'm over there apartment hunting. Um, and this is where I had a God moment, and the Lord just said, this is where it ends. This is the day it ends. Oh, sorry. Um, so that was kind of a big God moment to me. And like, to tell you, you hear the Lord, like, that was that big moment. Like, I heard the Lord telling me, this is it. You stop this now. 
And I did. So that day I was obedient. I quit my job that day. I called my friends in the city and said, you know, I can't see y'all anymore. I can't hang out with y'all anymore. This is it. Um, called some of my loved ones that were here and were supports to me and said, you know, this is what's been going on. I'm coming home. And so I'm thinking to myself, this is my prodigal moment. I'm coming home. Things are going to be turned around. Everything's going to be good again. I'm coming back to the Lord. Um, this is my redeeming moment. Um, and I'll tell you, during the time when I was doing what I want to do, doing me, I didn't feel guilt or shame. I was just in such a dark spot that I'm like, didn't even feel the Lord's presence anymore, didn't feel that I was doing wrong. Um, and so after my prodigal moment, after I heard the Lord and decided I'm turning around, this is where I think everything gets good again. That is not how it went down, unfortunately. Um, that is when darkness really kind of set in, which is terrible. That's when all the shame came on me, and the enemy starts to lie and say, you know, don't forget what you did. You don't need to be in church. How dare you show your face there? You know, those people can't look at you again. Um, just all the darkness, and we know if you read the scripture, it says there is therefore now no condemnation to those who are in Christ. So I'm not getting condemnation from Tim. I'm not getting condemnation from any of the women here who have been supportive. I'm not getting condemnation from my family. But the enemy just hits you so hard and says, no, you, you don't need to be in church. That's not where you belong. You know, you've done this. You've done that. How dare you go back there? Um, so depression is like huge and it sets in. I'm in bed all the time. I don't want to get up. I don't want to shower. I don't want to eat. I'm just still in darkness. I'm like, how? Why is this happening? Like, I've, I've come back. This is supposed to be the good time. Um, so I'm reading the scriptures, and I come to Psalm 51, which is written by King David. And I can't tell you how much this scripture fit me in that moment. Like, this is what I was feeling. So Psalm 51 says, for I know my transgressions. My sin is always before me. Okay, that's me. I know what I did. My sin is always on my mind. Like, I, I get it. This is what I did. So, God, you are right and justified when you judge, but hide your face from my sin. Blot out my iniquity. Do not cast me from your presence or take your spirit from me. So I just daily read through that, Lord. I know what I did. Please don't forget me. Erase this from me. Don't forget me. Don't take your spirit away from me. So I just over and over had to repeat that to me. And I'll tell you, you got to find a scripture that sinks into your heart and just cling on to that because the enemy's going to keep telling you you don't belong here you don't do this and that's not true so I came back to church surrounded myself with people that are supportive people that do love me and will tell me the things that you need to hear instead of the things that the world tells you or the world draws you to um, so I come back to church and surround myself with people who are supportive which is huge and, and that is huge. You have to have a support team. Jesus is with you all the time, 100%, no doubt. But if you're a woman, get around godly women. Get into a Bible study. If you're a man, do the same. Find a man you know, that can be there for you. If you need someone, I'm glad to do that. There are plenty of other women and men in the church that are glad to do that. But um, I've had people that have prayed with me and cried with me and just sat with me. Um, if you need somebody, I'll do that. But I'm just excited to tell you today that there is hope, and God will call out to you. Sometimes he'll use other people to, you know, call out to you, but, you know, we're not alone. So I've got another scripture for you. 
Um, here, 1 Samuel 12, 24 says, Be sure to fear the Lord, serve him faithfully, and consider all the great things he's done for you. He has done such great things for all of us. Just being alive and breathing now is more than we deserve. Like this grace series has been so huge. We should not even be breathing. We don't deserve anything that we get. But, um, and something I ended with last time, and I'll do it again now, is that the enemy, because I've been redeemed, does not just drop off like the enemy is still going to attack and I think that's why it's huge to have support system and to know like who your God is and who you are and be able to fight the enemy and and sometimes I can't do that so I have people that can help do that for me so again get with people that can do that for you I volunteer um, if you need that so we, we can do it together what um, this week we talked on the phone. Do you remember the grace verse that God gave you this week? Yeah, that this this one's it. Um, be sure to fear the Lord, serve Him faithfully. Consider what great things He has done for you. Um, when I when I read in First Samuel, um, this chapter is talking about um, the the tribes that continue. They become faithful and then they walk away again, and then they become faithful and they walk away again. Um, and Samuel's reminding them. Fear the Lord. Serve him. Remember all the things that he's done for you. Like, oh my gosh, how many times do we walk away? But you got to remember, like, I walked away, you know, two, three years ago. God is still good. He will cover it. He has grace. We don't deserve to be taken back. I don't understand why he does it. I don't understand why my friends do it. Um, but that's because they know the Lord. They show me grace. The Lord shows me grace. I love you, Pogo. That's You're awesome. Good. <laughs> Hallelujah. So this is how we're going to close today. Um, we've been talking about grace, and um, I really do feel like um, there's two things. One, you, you do have a story also. And, uh, but before you can tell your story, you have to experience it. And there's some people here that have not come alive to receiving the grace that God is trying to give you. And I don't, I mean, I kind of feel like it's weird sometimes to say you have to forgive yourself, yes. but, yes. but you do. And you have to let, the, when, when you forgive yourself, I feel like that's when you let the Lord do what he wants to do in your life. <laughs>